Hello and welcome back to Panam. So today, a special episode. Since it's Valentine's, I thought I'd read you a love story. Well, sort of a love story. Um, it's by Colette, who you probably have already heard of, but just in case you haven't, I thought I'd give you a very brief biography of her. She's, of course, a much-loved Parisian writer. I say Parisian because when we think of Colette, you think, first of all, of the Palais Royal, which is where she lived. And in front of the Palais Royal, there is the Place Colette, where you can get a nice coffee while you're maybe waiting for a show and look out onto the gaudy entrance of Line 7 with all those beads. Now, we think of Paris and we think of Colette, but she actually wasn't born in Paris. She was born in Burgundy. And this was really important to her. And she often wrote about it in her work and she kept her accent from there. So she was, I think she lived the majority of her life in Paris, but she was still outside of Paris. Her actual name is Sidonie Gabrielle Colette. She was born in January in 1873, the 28th of January, 1873. So her first name is Sidonie, but she went by Colette. And I actually only found out that Colette was not her first name while I was looking into her just now. Uh, Because Colette is a name. You know, there are lots of girls called Colette. Now, she moved to Paris with her first husband, who's known as Willie. And it was with him that she started publishing. She published a whole range of books, the Claudine books. Um, Claudine goes to school and Claudine in Paris. And uh, I think there's four in total. And these were actually first published under his name. And they were living together in the Rue Jacob and... It's very complicated as to why his name is on it rather than hers. On one hand, I think it was so that they could help publish them. I think there was also quite some complicated rules around women's actual rights to own their intellectual property and also just plain old taking credit for women's work. You know, even after it became very clear that she'd written the work, he kept his name on it and she wasn't able to touch any of the royalties after they divorced. So, boff. Willie, they divorce, she moves on. She has written all her Claudine series. Um, In 1920, she goes on to publish Sherry. And this is one of her quite famous works. And it might have been inspired by real events. So she had been married again after Willie. But then she ends up seducing and having an affair with her 16-year-old stepson, which is uncomfortable. Um, by anyone's standards, 16 is a bit young, especially when you're 47. Um, But Sherry is a a portrayal of love between an older woman and a much younger man, so probably getting her inspiration from her real life. Um, It is nonetheless a great read, so I would recommend it. Um, Her next most famous work is probably Gigi, Gigi, um, which was turned into a film. In She wrote it in 1944, so a little bit later. So Gigi is perhaps her most famous work. It was made into a film which won an award. But in the stage play is where Audrey Hepburn plays the main character, Gigi. And Gigi is also troubling. It's about a young girl, Gigi, who is trained as a courtesan to captivate a wealthy lover, but defies tradition and marries him instead. That marriage uh, where she had the affair with her stepson, that breaks down. No surprises. Colette goes on and marries her third husband. More about him in a moment, because between all these people, she 
spends her time scandalizing Paris. You know, she has all sorts of love affairs with men and women. And she actually has a sort of rather scandalous moment where she is performing um, because as well as a writer, she was also a journalist. She also was a performer. She sold stuff. She did an absolute myriad of jobs. Um, And then around, I think it was 1907, she was in a show with uh, Mathilde Mornay where they famously shared a kiss on stage and gosh, Paris was scandalised. So she enjoyed scandalising people. She was quite a complicated person. She was two things at once. She was Parisian and not Parisian. She absolutely loved animals, especially cats, and she would put them in all of her books and she had lots of cats, but she wasn't really that friendly with people. She could be quite sort of spiky. Even her own daughter, they seem to have had quite a troubled relationship. And then this also comes out with her third husband. Her third husband was Jewish and they were together during the occupation of Paris. So when the Nazis come and invade and occupy Paris, Colette actually, he's arrested and Colette saves him. She gets him out. But then she also writes for some pro-Nazi newspapers and seems quite friendly with the German officers. So She's a woman full of contradictions. Anyway, regardless of all of that, she she does have some incredible writing. She died um, in the 50s, 1954. She's buried in Père Lachaise. The church wouldn't bury her because of all of her divorces and her scandalous life. But she was given a state funeral. So you can still go and visit her in Père Lachaise if you'd like to. And that is just a very brief little summary of really an incredible life that she's led and I think deserves an episode maybe looking at Paris's Colette and exploring some of the things she might have left behind but I just wanted to give you a few um, highlights of who she is place her a little bit in history and Paris history before we go on to read her fabulous story. Now the story takes place in a restaurant not in Paris but of course Paris people love to go out to eat every day of the week, not just for Valentine's, but of course on Valentine's. You can go and there'll be lots of couples. And this is one of my absolute favourite activities to do is to go out for a meal and just eavesdrop on couples having maybe a date, a first date, a date night. There is just nothing more fun. And it's easy to do in Paris because the tables are always so close together. So with this in mind, let us start our story. Now, it is called um, The Other Wife in English and in French it's called l'autre femme, the other wife, but the word femme incorporates both the notion of woman and wife. So there's more of an ambiguity in French and that's interesting and you'll soon see why. Table for two. This way, monsieur, madame. There's still a table next to the window if madame and monsieur would like a view of the bay. Alice followed the maître d'île. Oh yes, come on, Mark. It'll be like having lunch on a boat on the water. Her husband caught her by passing his arm under hers. We'll be more comfortable over there. There? In the middle of all those people? I'd much rather, Alice, please. He tightened his grip in such a meaningful way that she turned around. What's the matter? Shh, he said softly looking at her intently and led her toward the table in the middle. What is it, Mark? I'll tell you, darling. Let me order lunch first. Would you like the shrimp or the eggs in aspic? Whatever you like, you know that. 
They smiled at one another, wasting the precious time of an overworked Metro D, stricken with a kind of nervous dance, who was standing next to them, perspiring. The shrimp, said Mark, then the eggs and bacon and the cold chicken with a romaine salad. Fromage blanc, the house speciality? We'll go with the speciality. Two strong coffees. My chauffeur will be having lunch also. We'll be leaving again at two o'clock. Some cider? No, I don't trust it. Uh, dry champagne. <sighs> he sighed as if he'd just moved an armoire, gazed at the colourless midday sea, at the pearly white sky, then at his wife, whom he found lovely in her little mercury hat with its large hanging veil. You're looking well, darling. And all this blue water makes your eyes look green. Imagine that. And you've put on weight since you've been travelling. It's nice, up to a point. But only up to a point. Her firm, round breasts rose proudly as she leaned over the table. Why do you keep me from taking that place next to the window? Mark Sergei never considered lying. Because you were about to sit next to someone I know. Someone I don't know? My ex-wife. She couldn't think of anything to say and opened her blue eyes wider. So what, darling? It'll happen again. It's not important. The words came back to Alice and she asked, in order, the inevitable questions. Did she see you? Could she see that you saw her? Will you point her out to me? Don't look now, please. She must be watching us. The lady with brown hair, no hat. She must be staying in this hotel. By herself. Behind those children, in red. Oh yes, I see. Hidden behind some broad-brimmed beach hat, Alice was able to look at the woman who, 15 months ago, had still been her husband's wife. Incompatibility, Mark said. Oh, I mean, total incompatibility. We divorced like well-bred people, almost like friends, quietly, quickly. And then I fell in love with you, and you really wanted to be happy with me. How lucky we are that our happiness doesn't involve any guilty parties or victims. The woman in white, whose smooth, lustrous hair reflected the light from the sea in azure patches, was smoking a cigarette with her eyes half closed. Alice turned back toward her husband, took some shrimp and butter and ate calmly. After a moment's silence, she asked, Why didn't you ever tell me that she had blue eyes too? Well, I never thought about it. He kissed the hand she was extending towards the bread basket, and she blushed with pleasure. Dusky and ample, she might have seemed somewhat coarse, but the changeable blue of her eyes and her wavy golden hair made her look like a frail and sentimental blonde. She vowed overwhelming gratitude to her husband, immodest without knowing it. Everything about her bore the overly conspicuous marks of extreme happiness. They ate and drank heartily, and each thought the other had forgotten the woman in white. Now and then, however, Alice laughed too loudly, and Mark was careful about his posture, holding his shoulders back, his head up. They waited quite a long time for their coffee, in silence. An incandescent river, the straggled reflection of the inevitable sun overhead shifted slowly across the sea and shone with a blinding brilliance. She's still there, you know, Alice whispered. Is she making you uncomfortable? 
would you like to have coffee somewhere else? No, not at all. She's the one who must be uncomfortable. Besides, she doesn't exactly seem to be having a wild time. If you could see her. I don't have to. I know that look of hers. Oh? Was she like that? He exhaled his cigarette smoke through his nostrils and knitted his eyebrows. Like that? No. To tell you honestly, she wasn't happy with me. Oh, really now? The way you indulge me is so charming, darling. It's crazy. You're an angel. You love me. I'm so proud when I see those eyes of yours. Yes, those eyes. She... I just didn't know how to make her happy. That's all. I didn't know how. She's just difficult. Alice fanned herself irritably and cast brief glances at the woman in white who was smoking, her head resting against the back of the cane chair, her eyes closed with the air of satisfied lassitude. Mark shrugged his shoulders modestly. That's right word, he admitted. What can you do? You have to feel sorry for people who are never satisfied. But we're satisfied, aren't we, darling? She did not answer. She was looking furtively and closely at her husband's face. Ruddy and regular, at his thick hair, threaded here and there with white silk, at his short, well-cared-for hands, and doubtful, for the first time, she asked herself, what more did she want from him? And as they were leaving, while Mark was paying the bill and asking for the chauffeur and about the route, she kept looking with envy and curiosity at the woman in white, this dissatisfied, this difficult, this superior. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this and I hope you're having a fabulous, lovely, loving Valentine, wherever you may be and whatever you might be up to. Thanks so much. And thanks, of course, to Christopher, who made this episode fabulous. And I'd love to hear from you and know who do you think is the other woman in this story? That's all for now. Take care. Bye bye.